This is Earth Files, the award-winning news site with the latest updates in science, environment, and real X-Files. Podcasting in-depth reports beyond the 6 o'clock news by Emmy Award-winning journalist Linda Moulton Howe. Hi, everyone here and around this struggling world and all of your pets and all of your loved ones. Deep prayers to the thought that dwells in the light to help all humans everywhere have peace. And thanks to all of you, our Earth Files YouTube channel has broken through a quarter million subscribers. I love reading your heartfelt appreciations of Earth Files in this revolutionary time. When we're waiting for that headline, we're not alone in this universe. And according to whistleblowers, our government has known that since at least World War II. But it was decided that strict policies of denial were needed to keep the world's financial, religious, and scientific foundations from crumbling. Maybe human power brokers thought they could keep it all covered up, underestimating what non-human intelligences interacting with Earth could do beyond human control. By the late 1960s onward, there were news reports in both hemispheres of this planet about strange, bloodless animal deaths where ears, eyes, tongues, jaw flesh, genitals, rectal tissue, and internal organs, such as hearts, were removed from cattle and horses, and sheep, goats, pigs, cats, and dogs. Also, wild animals such as badgers, foxes, deer, elk, reindeer, marmots, and even kangaroos in Australia have been found dead with similar bloodless excisions. Some animal mutilations have also been linked by eyewitnesses through the past centuries to dogmen, Wolfman, Weirwolf, the UK's legendary black dog since 1127, and the Bargeist mountain demon of northern England and Wales. As far back as 2100 BC, that's 4,123 years ago, some human eyewitnesses in the famous Epic of Gilgamesh describe ancient Greek king Lycaon transformed or shape-shifted into a werewolf on the far right side of this image as punishment for his misdeeds. And then 1600 years later, in 425 BC, the Greek Herodotus described a nomadic tribe of men he called Nuri, quote, the Nuri seemed to be magicians who mysteriously could transform into wolfman shapes for several days of the year, close quote. According to Herodotus, the Nuri lived in the Baltic Sea region of present-day Lithuania and Latvia. There, going back many centuries, people believed a deity called Jod was purely evil and could make some evil spirit serve the Jod by transforming into a variety of demons. A thousand miles to the west of Vilnius, Lithuania, is London, England. By the year 1127 came the earliest known UK record of a strange creature called the Black Dog. These are said to be very large canine dogs with glowing eyes that can walk upright on their hind legs. Were these creatures, along with Bigfoot and other alien beings, placed by ETs beneath the surface of the earth long ago? One retired physicist told me our government learned that Bigfoot, artificial intelligent cyborgs, a variety of extraterrestrials, and other dimensionals have long operated on Earth from large caverns deep over a thousand miles down, where there are mountains taller than Everest and the Rockies. From deep below our feet, aliens can easily pop to and from Earth's surface life. Recently, I received a new and fascinating documentary called Wolflands from UK producer Paul Sinclair, owner of 
a light form media in Somerset, England. I first met Paul when I was investigating crop formations in the UK, and we both were trying to understand what was behind bloodless, trackless animal mutilations in England and the United States and around the world. And Paul began to hear frightening stories from eyewitnesses in East and North Yorkshire small villages, such as Broxa Forest, Flixton, and Staxton Brow near the North Sea. Residents there have seen glowing eyes and massive heads that haunt the thick forests and moors of the Flixton Wolflands, only 220 miles northeast of London. After Paul sent me his new documentary, Wolflands, I called him to find out when had he first started receiving such creature reports. I've got reports, my own reports, going back to the 1930s, and I've got them through to the 1960s, 70s, right up to present day. I've got one this year, and where from? Flixton, around this tiny village. There we've got the accounts of the Flixton werewolf. I visited the area back in 2016 and spoke to an old farmer, and, and he asked me what I was looking into, and I told him, and he didn't laugh, but he didn't say very much. And a little bit distant. Six months later, I found myself back at Flixton and I bumped into him again. I made a point of bumping into him, actually. He lived next to the church, his house. He said, how far had I got? I said, I've discovered quite a few things. Did you know that Flixton used to be called Wolflands? That's the ancient name for Flixton is Wolfland. He says, well, tell you now, I've seen it. I said, you what? He said, I've seen it. So he told me this amazing story from back in 1948. He said, and I was with a, another boy, and he said, if you go up to the top of what's called Staxton Brow, he said, there's some burial mounds up there. It's actually a Barrow Cemetery. I think there's five to seven Neolithic burial mounds, which is another important factor, Linda, because a lot of these things are seen around ancient earthworks and burial mounds. He said, we were up there late one summer evening, just young boys, and we were walking up to the burial mound. If you go to this location, even today, you'll not find anybody up there. It's very remote. He said, we saw this thing squatted down with its back to a tree. I said, what do you mean this thing? He said, it was a dog in the shape of a man. He said, it was covered in fur. It wasn't heavily muscled. He said it was looking at something in its hands. He said, we stopped in our tracks and this thing just lifted its head and looked at us. We turned and ran. An apex predator would have pursued. There's something else to these creatures, Linda, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Only speculating. So that basically is how I got involved in the cryptid phenomena. Where I come into all of this are people who have worked in our military and our aerospace who have confirmed for me, yes, our government has known since at least the 1960s that animal mutilations, bloodless and trackless, are linked to the presence of extraterrestrial biological entities. Have you ever had anyone in the UK tell you there is a direct link between the UFO ET phenomena and the Wolflands dogmen? That's a difficult one, Linda. All I know is that the dogman, the wolfman, is present a lot of times. And if I jump back to 2017 and 2019, and I remember speaking to you about this a few years ago, the sheep mutilations, sheep, fox, badger, deer, and cow. Now, this phenomenon with the bipedal canine, they were being seen and reported at the same time that these animals were being found mutilated. What was happening with the sheep, the eyes were being removed, the ears were being removed. I realise I'm talking to Linda Moulton Howe and I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I came away from watching your film, Wolflands, that we are dealing with underground bases all over this planet and bases that are even beneath the basins of the oceans and the seas. 
and that in the UK for centuries, the possibility of underground bases in the big limestone island, underground bases of non-humans on this planet for centuries. That comes from my own discussions with people who have worked in the Pentagon and in military, and that the association of certain geographic areas with bloodless, trackless animal mutilations in fields on the surface of the earth is because the underground base intelligence harvests from the surface all over this planet. That includes mutilations and many other phenomena. What is your reaction now to what I just said? I would agree. I would agree the possibility of an underground base in and around the area where I'm researching for several reasons. Hearing noises underground, we go up there in the early hours of the morning, Linda, deep into the night, we hear huge booms and bangs that kind of reverberate and shake the ground. Middle of nowhere, noise like there's heavy machinery or there's something moving about below ground. We've heard it. I'm not the only person to have heard it. I'll get reports of it because there's a lot of people visit the area and for all hours and said that they've heard sounds underground. Now, Linda, you've only got the North Sea in front of you. There's lots of people also said that they believe there's a base off the coast, an alien base off the coast. And now I would like to share with you a scene from Wolflands with Paul Sinclair and eyewitnesses talking around a fire in Broxa Forest in North Yorkshire, long associated with wolfman, dogman, werewolves. It's a village called East Ayton. It was in that village 120 years before that a man called Howard Brearley wrote about the Barguest, a huge terrifying hound that prowled the nearby forests and moors. The clues left behind tell anyone who will listen that something outside of normal has left its mark on the land. And the ghosts of men watch as we walk in their footsteps through the haunted landscape. Arriving next at Hackness and the entrance to the Forge Valley and the heart of the beast. This is a land of river and stream leading to a forest called Broxa. Is it coincidence that in ancient mythology the Broxa was the name of a shape-shifting demon? It was in Broxa Forest that three men encountered something that looked like it had stepped from a nightmare. Today I'm on edge of Broxa Forest and Steve's been kind enough to meet us and his friend who will be with us shortly and they've travelled a considerable distance to tell us about an incredible, well, terrifying encounter that they had in this forest approximately two years ago. We're going to head down there now Those eyes reappearing back there, even more scary than last time, I think. Describe them eyes. Did they just come on or did, did you just turn around and they were there? And he said, there's something watching us. I looked over and I was a bit taken back, to be fair, because I couldn't explain what it were. The eyes, for the size of the animal. Yeah. I don't feel comfortable. How remote you are and, you know, you, you've got no phone signal. I turned back and walked back towards and Steve and I turned back round and I was just like, oh my gosh, what is that? And I, we all just stood there and it was, I've never felt fear like that before. Now I don't know what it is and now I'm, I'm, I'm afraid like... You saw it stand up, didn't you? The eyes rose perfectly, as yeah. if it were machined. Really? Just, there was no getting up or it, no. it just went the machine just 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 roars oh it was still a silhouette it was like a silhouette yeah but i would say you could do a it would defined in in background light once it had stood up i would say you could see definition of it but well, the, the, the the eyes were still there well, uh, but the, it was just a, a silhouette and then when it turned you you could see the muzzle the muzzle yeah so what do you think it was it was, it was a 
It were a dog. It, it were a werewolf. A, a dog, man. I urge everyone to go to Amazon.com to order Paul Sinclair's fascinating Wolflands documentary. You can rent or buy Wolflands on Amazon Prime or search Amazon for Wolflands or go to a special link that we've created for you to make it easier. Earthfiles.com forward slash wolf hyphen lands. That takes you right to the Amazon order page for Wolflands about real people with real life encounters with very large, dark, furry entities in the shape of a human man. And we're getting close to New Year 2024, which I hope brings greater peace on Earth. And finally, that headline, we're not alone in this universe. So I hope a lot of you can make it to the 2024 Conscious Life Expo Conference, February 9th through 12th, 2024, at the LAX Hilton Hotel in Los Angeles. I'll be there to do panels, a lecture, and an intensive workshop about some of my latest UFO and ET investigations and information from whistleblowers. It's always a fun conference. And to attend the Conscious Life Expo, you will need a day pass for each day. This gains entry to all of the exhibit halls, lectures, free workshops, and many free special events. Here's another special link that we've created for you. earthfiles.com forward slash CLE. And now let's jump to Ian in England for comments and questions. Hi, Ian. Hi, Linda. <clears throat> Thank you. That was a good report from Paul, and I've known Paul for several years, so that's very good. I've also been posting the links, and we'll put the links good. as well for Wolflands, which is an excellent documentary that I've seen in the description below the video and also in the chat tonight. Good, 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 good. So everybody, it really is fascinating <clears throat> when you're listening to real human beings who have had some sort of an encounter and that what they are describing goes all the way back centuries and centuries and centuries. The phenomena itself has been here for millennia and it is various places of the world and people who catch up or encounter it and that it is fascinating if we only knew the whole truth about the interior of our planet at various levels where there have been so many different life forms that have, who knows, been uh, based inside or come and go. But all of a sudden it makes so much sense when you start considering a planet that has always had something else working below ground that humans on the surface would never have even imagined. So That's right. Uh, I, we've got a comment here that says, um, from Moonlight 75 in Devon, England, we have the folklore of the black dog, a harbinger of death. That's and right. that is true because in different areas of England, even in uh, Bungay in Suffolk, they've commemorated an event that happened in about the 12th century with a weather vane showing a black dog on, uh, with a lightning strike. And it's a, it commemorates a black dog that appeared during a thunderstorm and apparently killed some parishioners there. The, the church gates actually got some scratches that they say were caused by the black dog as well. Yeah, and in our more modern, let's say, uh, 2023 and going back maybe 300 years to the Utes and the Navajo, uh, that the idea of shapeshifters, uh, the skinwalker, all of that which is now, we'll call that modern world, those are just different names in a way for a lot of these things that have been transforming before human eyes going back as that one reference uh, was 4,123 years ago. Yeah, and I, I first encountered a, a witness who told me about 15 years ago before the dogman uh, Wolfman became that popular in uh, in the cryptid circles. He told me that he'd seen an inexplicable upright canine as he pulled into a lorry park 
uh, on the, at a forest in Wales, England. So it does appear to be all over England. In fact, Vampire Mummy in the chat today says, what does Linda believe the Beast of Bodmin to be? That, again, is a mysterious Beast of Bodmin more, but that's thought to be a, a large, big black cat, I believe, in but, uh, Cornwall or Devon, England. Right, but the big question that is hanging there, and you all are, are posing it, and, and people have been for centuries, okay, they're there. And they can shapeshift. They can shapeshift right before our very eyes. And we have modern accounts of it happening, like the woman in Texas seeing her own father seemingly to change into a reptilian, which is different, but it's the idea of shapeshifting. But what is the reason for the basing of a variety of other intelligences inside of our planet, in our solar system, and not interacting with us directly. What is the bigger implication of that? That is a whole other topic, but it definitely comes up when it comes to the shapeshifters. I, I remember accounts that I uh, have done research and even talked with people in Vietnam who came through jungle. It's a completely different environment. And that they saw something in front of them seemingly shift from whether it was looking like the plants or it was looking like something else into some kind of a reptilian. And that was the Predator movie that Schwarzenegger did. Yeah, I, I as well, I've uh, researched the cryptid known as Dogman or Wolfman or the werewolf as we call it as well here. Uh, for several years now, and this creature does appear to have some abilities. Now, some abilities are what we call, like, let's say, supernatural abilities. I've spoken to witnesses who have seen this creature in the trees in uh, Suffolk, England, and seen it jump from uh, fantastic distances. But also, it seems to have a telepathic ability and an ability to cloak itself or to make itself invisible. And it sometimes can uh, can actually be seen to be, uh, be sort of, let's right. say, almost semi-transparent. Right. Ian, do we have anybody who is reporting their own encounter with something like the dog man, wolf man, werewolf type? Yes, absolutely. This, uh, today, before we came on air, I noticed in the comments that Paranormal uh, AlloZ2026 left a comment and said, awesome that you're doing a show about dog man. These are all over the world. I had an experience in Australia. Well, we're reaching out to you to hear more of your experience. And in fact, if anyone else has experiences, please let us know. But we've also got in the show tonight, in the chat, Pink Dahlia, who oh, has yeah. also got a first-hand account with, uh, with her partner, uh, I believe. So we've asked her to contact us. She says she's going to contact us Good. and give, her the give us the details. Good. I am aware of, of that case, so we'll be following up on that. So if she can get in touch, that's good. Thank All right. you. All right. And what about questions from our dear audience and feel an agape hug at this point for that we've cracked through 250,000 subscribers. Let's keep going, you guys. Yes, congratulations on that, Linda. That's a big milestone that we've passed. Yeah. And it's very apt as well that, that that happens at this time and we're doing featuring Wolflands as we go into Halloween. So I want to wish all of our audience a safe and happy Halloween as we go into Halloween. That's right, the end of this week. Okay, so here's some uh, questions and comments. Patty Urban says, I think these creatures may be responsible for some of the missing people. They hide in trees, so look up. And yes, I can say they definitely do uh, appear in trees too. Yes, it is an interesting question about uh, taking people who research missing people and how that remains a mystery of a large number of people. And it's never resolved. And if it's never resolved, then what is ongoing in such a large number? And that has always, I think, when I, uh, of John Keel's book, Our Haunted Planet. Our planet is haunted because it has had other intelligences interacting with, sometimes perhaps competing with surface life, harvesting surface life, and then are the missing people 
Are they being taken for reasons that are incomprehensible to us? Yeah, uh, John Keel, also the author of uh, Strange Creatures from Space and Time and the, the Mothman Prophecies. I remember meeting John Keel firsthand in, uh, in England uh, you know, many years ago, and he told me that he'd encountered these, uh, these strange creatures at, uh, uh, well, the, the Mothman, etc., and uh, the MM, MIB experiences that he had as well. All of this does seem to be connected as well. And I think... Um, this and is Ian, Ian, before yes. we get off of uh, John Keel and what he has described, it's important to insert here something that always puzzled me until recently. Um, he and I were at a conference, and it was the one time I really got to talk with John Keel on the uh, airplane coming back. And I was asking him questions about the various types, that there were the small grays, that there were, at that time, there was very little discussion um, about Nordics, but there were, they were referred to as blondes. Um, and we were having a kind of a general discussion. And when I said something about the grays and the reptilians and all these different types, he turned and he said, Linda, it's my understanding that throughout the universe that we are in, I remember I can hear his voice, it's mostly humanoids. The shape is humanoids. And then he stressed it. And I remember being confused because at the time I didn't know nearly what I've been exposed to now. And the world's first introduction coming through Betty and Barney Hill and uh, Roswell what the world first heard about in using those words extraterrestrial in actual headlines were the greys or things that we would say were grey-like, whether they were AI or whether they were biological. And so the grey was the introduction. And that's why it was puzzling to me that John Keel was stressing you know, the humanoid and the shape does apply to the greys, to the reptilians, to the Nordics, to the, even in a strange way, the praying mantis, head, torso, arms and legs, even though an insect. And, and that's what he was stressing. And now today, we might even look at it, they're looking at the, uni the universe through the web, and they're finding all of these large galaxies repeated over and over and over, all the way back to what seems like the beginning. Almost as if, if we understood, there was like a template with which this whole universe was created, and that the template was activated by different frequencies, and that one of the frequencies that would generate through this universe for eight billion years would be a humanoid shape. That's part of what I think we're beginning to look at. There might be a universe that was created and it wasn't, the, the template wasn't a humanoid. It would be something else. And those are the kinds of discussions that I seem to be getting in more and more with people as well as receiving information that we might be in a universe that is linked to something about the evolution and the continuing evolving refinement of the humanoid. That's, that's interesting because uh, the word that I was told several years ago was this, this was the humanoid shape was the signature shape for this uh, for us in this universe, but also for other beings. And that is true as well of, let's say, the, uh, the Bigfoot and uh, other cryptids as well, including the, um, the Dogman, which has been seen, you know, sometimes with and without a tail. So right. this, this is, again shows that there may be different species of the dogman involved in any case, or werewolf, whatever. And Ian, it may not, not have anything to do with species. It may have to do with that we are dealing with intelligences that are not human, and they interact with our planet inside, on the surface, the moons and beyond, with intent that we can't even begin to get close to in our minds. And that to me is part of 
the adventure of finally opening up. We're not alone in this universe. Let's learn about everything that is in this universe, the way the James Webb Telescope is. Every day, every week, new headlines. I find it exciting. I don't find it scary at all. No, uh, let's go to the Super Chats this evening, Linda, before we go on to the, the next comments and questions. Uh, first of all, Moonbird has let me know he's in Indiana tonight, so we say hi to you, Moonbird. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, here we go then. Mark Petri, Terry D, Yang Glow, Mark K, Vampire Mummy, CS, and uh, Moonlight 75. Now, Moonlight 75 has a question. If we Homo sapiens sapiens are the result of genetic manipulation by ETs, then are wolfmen the result of this too? And thank you. Well, I think two plus two equals four on the surface at least. That genetic, let, let's go back to the sentence that I consider to be uh, one of the true statements in a government document about at least this aspect of Earth. These extra, quote, these extraterrestrial biological entities manipulated DNA in already evolving primates to create Homo sapien, us. Now, those different types included Neanderthalensis and the uh, Denisovans, and then we get up to this particular Cro-Magnon Homo sapien, sapien, which is the current model. I have had discussions, not reading a document, I have had discussions with people who have, let's go to one I've referenced here before, because from my point of view, the seven hours with the man in December of uh, 2019 was one of the most significant downloads that I've ever had. And I think it's uh, constantly and persistently he has been reinforced. And he was the man who worked for the Defense Intelligence Agency, had worked for 23 years, told me he was working on extraterrestrial uh, conflicts, uh, describing all of that and said that our government had proof that extraterrestrial intelligences 278 million years ago, he said about 270, then I later had a refinement by a, another whistleblower saying that it's, he had said 270 and the other man said it's actually 278. And when I've asked both of them, well, what was it specifically that happened? 278 million years ago that set in motion what you link us to. And it was the DIA man in December of 2019 who, or sorry, 1999, sorry, I jumped a decade. In 1999, what was it uh, that was the cause? And he said, it's too dangerous. He said, if for us to even talk about, and I don't know why or what that means. But it sets the uh, landscape for what makes sense that depending upon why any given planet would be chosen by any life form in the universe for whatever it wanted to do, Earth had large oceans and land masses. And that's supposed to be the mix and things about our planet were attracted, and that it was like a natural laboratory, and that whatever has been the evolution with a, a variety of different intelligences, that man went into conflict. He went into describing conflict between different extraterrestrial civilizations and wanting this planet, but something else experimenting through the evolution of creating, manipulating DNA and already evolving primates to create Homo sapien, has some kind of a big experiment and a goal and must have advanced technologies and power to maintain its hold on what it has been doing 
And now we are on the brink of, I hope, finally opening up the truth. And then maybe we will begin to have more information about what our government and other governments and scientists know about the whole twists and turns of evolution from primates like uh, Homo erectus two million years ago up to now. But always are the big, big questions, who, what, and why? And are any of them dangerous? And then you jump to Ronald Reagan and the briefing that he was given in March 6th to 8th, 1981, and it was about five extraterrestrials. He was being introduced to them, different types. And the, the fifth on the list were the tronoloids, insects that were highly dangerous. Reagan is warned. Um, they are supposed to be on Epsilon Eridani, 10.5 light years from Earth, um, that we would have a, a tremendous problems if there weren't others that were friendly or at least neutral to us. And there are other discussions with other people who have come into a whistleblower category who have talked about the tall whites and have said that if there had not been the tall whites, that humans might not be here now. Well, if all of that is true, what is the current vested interest of any and all of the different types of non-humans and those that are supposed to be uh, helping, like the tall whites, in this current population of humans that are having such a hard time living with each other. Humans are now threatening the laboratory Earth. And I stop on that because I care beyond measure about all the life on Earth, including humans. And it, it seems like we are in such a dangerous, treacherous time. Wouldn't introducing us, the whole planet, to the tall whites in a positive way perhaps help us get through what might be devastating times? I raise that as a question. Okay, Ian. Yeah, um, actually, uh, Christina Gomez, who has her own channel in her own right, and, um, and that's worth checking out if anyone there wants to check that out on YouTube. She's um, been in the chat tonight. She actually says, Linda, and just before your last comment, after all your time researching an ET presence on Earth, does Linda feel that at least one or more races view humanity as a dangerous species? So <laughs> it is. If the tall whites are as spiritual as Charles Hall said they were, he was the Air Force guy uh, at Edwards, I think it was, Edwards or S4, uh, who wrote a book or two or three uh, about learning about tall whites when he was working for our government in the military. And it was his words in throughout some of his work, that they were very, very strict and that they can stop, uh, like they can stop electrical uh, pulses in your body if they've so desired uh, and they don't need weapons. They, they can do it with their minds. Remember that. And thinking we're talking about extraterrestrial civilization that we have still not even been introduced in fact, meaning with facts that we're not alone in this universe. And so trying to talk about what extraterrestrials would have vested interests and what would their vested interests be in us, that would be at the top of my list, if we're still here and 
we were the are the product of DNA manipulation over millions of years. That's a lot of time and energy for something to put into the development of a very specific kind of life form on Earth in this solar system. Why? And why can't we be introduced and just told the truth? And these are the, these are the things that come into my mind when someone asks me, do you think that the tall whites are going to save us? Do you think the tall whites have control over others? It's, the, it's that I'm lacking information and firsthand knowledge that all of us would like to have, and it comes back full circle to why can't we be introduced to the whole huge fact that this universe is teeming with consciousness? Teeming. And we have been a life form on this planet for a very long time, denied the truth by a whole variety of evolutionary characters. Why? So, if there's somebody listening tonight who works in any of the intel agencies or military or medicine or science who can fill in some blanks and gaps in this whole huge story, I would very much like to hear from you in whatever way is possible, whether it's by hard mail or FedEx or proton mail. Uh, there are several people who have been helping, and I'm beginning to understand some pieces. So, um, Ian, I'm going to go back to you to see, now you've seen more comments and uh, more questions. What seems to be the, uh, the, the overriding sense of reaction now to this whole issue of entities that would somehow be coming from either another dimension, more other planet, interacting with our Earth all the way up to this day and going forward that we still have not been introduced to officially by our governments? Well, Mercedes Rubio says, I am from Colombia. Since I'm little, I heard stories about a legendary creature said to possess both human and alligator features, Alombre Cayman or Alligator Man. Yeah. Exactly, the standing up alligators. That's a phrase that I remember hearing for the first time investigating animal mutilations uh, when I started on A Strange Harvest in 1979 and it was broadcast in uh, May 25th, 1980. It was not very long after that broadcast. I think it was the summer of uh, 1980. I got a call from a woman who lived in Colorado Springs, just south of Denver. She said, I just saw the broadcast of your estranged harvest. And she said, you won't believe this. I was out riding my horse on the ranch. Uh, I was going out to pick up something that we had left in a field. And the horse, we were coming around a bend. There were a bunch of trees. It's my ranch. And the horse reared back neighing. She said it was the first time she'd ever felt like the horse was going up to stand and she could fall off and she was hanging on and the horse was neighing and whimpering and was not going to go forward and she got a hold of it, started talking to the horse calmly. She couldn't see anything. What is causing this reaction? And then she got a hold of the reins, she said tightly, and she did her signal for the horse to go forward. And she said, Linda, right next to these, this grove of trees that was blocking, she, and still stayed there. She said, I don't know why. She said, it looked like a standing up alligator. And she said, as soon as I was like, I grabbed a hold tighter of the reins of the horse, thinking, what in the world is this? And it disappeared. And now we're back to the whole issue of how do the dog men, wolf men, werewolf, uh, standing up alligators 
<clears throat> grays, all of them, how do they just disappear? Well, I assume it's technology and it's moving frequencies and the frequencies might even move dimensions. What other questions, comments do we have? Uh, okay, we've got Les in the uh, chat tonight says, his mother claimed werewolves were real. She saw one once when she went to a dance in the 1920s. It ran out into the woods and disappeared. Says, um, my mother never lied or swore a day in her life. I wish uh, we could know more about it. Ask this person if they can send me any more comments about what she said in detail. We will do, yes. Okay. Please give us some more information. Also, Jimmy says, ask if she thinks ETs are from another planet or interdimensional. Yes, I, I think both. I think there's no question in my mind. I will say that. We all want evidentiary proof. But I will say this. I am convinced that what is coming and going in our universe is both other matter in whatever form it is in, and it's matter in this universe, but that it moves, that there are other things that can move dimensionally. And the dimensional concept, we talk about we're in a third dimensional matter world, and that mathematically throughout the history of this planet and, and refined books and religious texts, there's always been at least references to 10 or 12, the, the majestic 12, that there are other dimensions that go beyond this one. Heaven would be the highest, something not conceivable, where if we, if we were there, we probably couldn't interact with anything. And this is this whole issue of frequencies. If there are multiple dimensions and we're in the third, everything in this universe is made to operate with the frequencies of this third dimension. But if you went to the fourth or the fifth or the sixth, it would be completely and totally different. Well, it's very conceivable that intelligences in other dimensions, other frequencies, could be advanced enough to be able to come down to, say, the third dimension for whatever would be their reason, but that they could, they could flip in and out just like us turning on a light bulb because they would have more control over perhaps a wider uh, frame of frequencies that we don't have because they're not here. And that's part, I think, of the what is called the extraterrestrial technology and science. Uh, I talked with a physicist once who said, what we have to study in this particular universe, this dimension, is going to be completely different if we were in another dimension. And we've got to break past this strange isolation of the power brokers of the world thinking that homo sapien cannot handle the truth, that we're not alone, that we're in a universe, there are all kinds of beings with different in intents, and that there is a reason on earth for us to be educated. Because if we're not educated, how are we ever going to be able to interact with, let alone communicate or, or with tall white help, <laughs> resist insects, and that they may be able to shapeshift in and out of visibility. And if we don't become educated about things having the ability to be right here and be invisible and then pop in if they so choose, we're going to be uh, weak. We're going to be weakened. We're, we're not going to be evolving with what we should be learning about everything in order to eventually contemplate that beyond the moon and Mars, that we might actually be beings that will finally get past wars, 
and conflict with each other and actually be, maybe the word is allowed to leave Earth and go out into the universe. But you can't do that if you're still isolated in your education. Okay, what about some comments on uh, the, the film and these subjects tonight, Ian? Yeah, well, this has certainly spurred up our audience about the cryptid aspect of things. And I want to make it a, a point as well that very often people who have cryptid encounters as a child very early on with these creatures have repeat experiences later on in life. And that, that seems to be the case just as it is in the UFO community, where uh, experiences have experiences that, that kind of come throughout their lives too. Well, so Ian, yeah, picking up on that just for a second, uh, Paul and I talked about the fact that one of the persistent links in his experience in the UK has been associated light sightings, not using the word UFO, light unknown what the lights are, but that there's an association with lights, singular, or patterns of lights, double or triple, in many places where there has been an encounter with what we will call a wolfman, dogman, werewolf. And so... The, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. Because it's connected with what we may call the orb phenomena, etc. Definitely, there is a definite link there. And I've come across cryptid accounts from the UK where strange lights have been seen and also, uh, let's say, strange light phenomena, even in the forest where I was investigating in 2019 with, with a, a group of people, when we took photographs uh, and we developed it, we, we uh, showed the photographs after we got out of the forest, they showed strange glowing mists around us and orbs that I hadn't seen while we were in the forest. Right. In a strange way, you could say that some of us have experienced the same kind of phenomena in crop circles. Exactly. Yeah. And I've seen the balls of light. I mean, even yeah. your book is um, crop, uh, crop circles and, uh, and light phenomena. Right. Uh, so, you know, that, that's, that's true. I'm happy to say that Miserata389 is in the audience again this evening. Uh, she says, what I was trying to say was, what do you think of the origin of these creatures is? Well, we're, we're still examining and looking into, into what that is. Origins. <sighs> That's the, you know, the big, 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 big box. What's the origin of any and all? What is the origin of multi-dimensions? What is the origin of multi-universes within those dimensions? Uh, when Roger Penrose said there wasn't a singularity from his point of view, that it was an infinite cycles of time. Pretty soon, that sometimes I look at... Uh, books that I'm reading and there's a bunch of different pieces and that I want so much to understand the whole interlacing of everything. I want to understand it all. And we are still at those questions of what could be the origin of a dogman, wolfman, werewolf, let alone going out into all the ETs, but it's the same Q&A relationship that you have to assume that whatever these creatures are, that they interact with the matter world. Even if they can pop in and out, they're still interacting with the matter world, which means that they have a control on frequencies in this dimension that we don't have because they can pop in and out and so far the vast majority of humans on Earth cannot. So what are the layers of evolutionary technology and advance? What are the layers of existences in 10 or 12 dimensions? What is it in the third dimension of matter that is perhaps denser? Is there ingredients here in this dimension that are needed, wanted, maybe even vital to whatever else is that happens in these other dimensions? Would that explain why there seems to be a recycling? 
Would that relate to the power of the soul? Is there a intimate relationship between the different frequencies of matter in dimensions, universes, and galaxies, and something that is singularly always there in all dimensions, always evolving? And is that what we call the souls? I personally think, I've said it before many times, going back to the beginning of uh, doing the, the podcast, I am personally convinced that it is the, the soul itself, a plasma, that to say it's infinite comes as close as I can say to its extraordinariness, and that we still don't understand it. We humans don't. But there seems to be a concentration by something on what happens to the human soul and that there are demonstrations in certain interactions with between beings and humans in which the beings themselves have communicated telepathically to humans. You don't understand as if we are extraordinary and the, the most extraordinary part of us is the soul that might be able to move on through infinity in those cycles like Roger Penrose was talking about. But at the human level, it seems like we have two short lives, like Drosophila flies were we made for gen genetic recycling for something else. And yet, in the creation of, of life form, maybe all life forms, there's a rule in the big cosmos. They have to emerge with souls that then become these moving rivers throughout all of all dimensions gathering information, putting that information into form after form after form. Maybe that's part of the big picture that we don't understand. Which makes it even more important for Homo sapien to be told the whole truth. It's a frustration that I have. <laughs> I would like to know the whole truth. Let's see. We're almost at the bottom of the hour, uh, half hour, and uh, Ian, I wonder, uh, between comment and question, what do you have on your next list? One thing I want to do is give a shout out to Peter Carroll, who joins us in the chat this evening and checking in from his hospital bed in North Carolina. We wish you the best for a full recovery. Oh, yes. Yes. It, it's, is it disease or... I, I don't surgery. have any details, but it's, it's good that he's checked in from, you know, and still, still staying, watching air files from the hospital bed. So, oh, uh, God bless you. We send our best wishes to you. Yes, and to everyone, everywhere, may the thought that dwells in the light, which is as infinite as I can comprehend, help you, help all of us, help everyone on this planet in which it feels like we're being beat up by forces that are incomprehensible. And I would like to see the beating up stop for good. <laughs> Linda, uh, Brian Morgan says, um, my mom and I saw a wolf-man-like creature following the death of my great uncle. We both saw it in the middle of the night in the house the night that he passed. Can you send more details if possible? about anything and everything that you heard, uh, saw, I would really like to know on some of these interactions that people have had. Because I have no doubt that people are having interactions with people that they have lived with, loved at the moment of death. And then yes. it's as if there is this ongoing 
evolution beyond the moment of death. And there are now, every once in a while, articles in various magazines about, is there really a death? And it's going into more NDE. There's more and more uh, near-death experiences that are being reported. Uh, there's a big, huge body of both literature and human testimony in video and live about as if there is something seamless that is happening at what is called the moment of biological death, and that there's more and more and more information and feedback as if there's consciousness that continues. And if that is the case, why was Homo sapiens sapien, us, why were we made with such short lives? That is a question that has always bothered me. And do you have any more, a comment or so? And Yeah, well, first of all, Linda, let's remind everybody that this episode of Earth Files and all episodes of Earth Files yeah. Uh, guys, as a podcast, you can uh, find the link below the video here and at earthfiles.com forward slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. Yes. And with that, I uh, want to uh, have you all feel an agape frequency hug in a very, very, very troubled planet that I just keep hoping that there will be this moment and the, the roughness will go away, and that you and everyone everywhere, we will know more joy and more peace everywhere in all of our lives, and that you will tell everybody else to keep coming and subscribing to earthfiles.com, and maybe we can get to half a million subscribers. I love you guys. See you next week. Thanks for listening to this Earth Files podcast. 
from the edges of science, environment, and real X-Files. Go to www.earthfiles.com to see more than a thousand Earth Files reports with photographs, drawings, and documents. And visit Earth Files every day, every week, for new reports and new podcasts. That's www.earthfiles.com. 